Hey, welcome to Textual Healing. I'm your host, Mallory Smart. And on today's episode, I'll be speaking with J.D. O'Brien, where we discuss his new novel, Zigzag, which has been described as a stoned odyssey across dive bars, neon-lit motels, and lost highways across the American West. We get into it and the very fun playlist that he made for it, featuring one of my favorite artists, Graham Parsons, whilst beginning the episode actually discussing another podcast of mine that he checked out called That Horror Cast, where we did an episode about the movie Halloween featuring Duncan Birmingham and D.T. Robbins. I hope you dig this episode, though. And if you do, be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and or review, or just hit me up on Twitter. It's all fun. I hope you enjoy the show. So how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. This is my first podcast appearance. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I guess they have something. I don't know. That, but yeah, this is definitely the first. So it's, it's all new, new ground for me. But I listened to a few episodes, so I'm kind of prepared for what I'm in for, I think. I was going to say, I think like I'm the easiest podcast for you to start on. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll yeah, probably be the nicest. Just, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. No, it seems like, yeah, you just kind of have more of a conversational, you know, like, at least the ones I heard were, you know, were pretty good. Yeah, they just kind of relaxed. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, I've been on quite a few podcasts, and obviously I listen to podcasts all the time, and I hate it. I mean, I, it's really cool that there are podcasts that really delve deep into a book, but I hate it when people throw, like, pressure questions at you yeah yeah i always wonder how many podcasts listener hosts get i just don't know how they have find they find time to read all the books so sometimes it's like you know doesn't even really matter in a way because you know it seems like a lot of them are more about you know the person and just kind of the background a bit more than the going in depth on the book i forgot there was a podcast i can't remember is it book it's, I don't even know if it's around anymore. It was a, a guy in, in L.A., and I was just amazed how he would go in-depth, like it seemed like twice a week, on some, uh, you know, really, really intense books, too. So he must have just, you know, read them all the time. Because I barely have time to get through my own pile of books, let alone if I was had to read two a week for a podcast. Yeah, I have no idea how I actually find the time, because I also have the publishing house, and I have to write reviews, and... Also, have to watch horror movies for the other <laughs> podcast. So the other podcast, I think I, I listened to one or, or part of one that when I was driving on that was on Halloween. Is that a recent a recent one? Yeah, that one was that one was messy. <laughs> <laughs> that one is not the way we typically go. I mean, not that like we're the most professional <laughs> with that yeah. one, but we never tried to have that many people on a podcast at once. Before. Right? Yeah. <laughs> And, like, I originally was like, let's try and do Zoom, but almost every single person was like, we don't want, like, to show you our setup. We don't want you to see us in our headphones. And I was like, I, I vibe that. I don't like it either. <laughs> so instead, it was just left to all of us being like, I think the other person is done talking. Right. So did you guys go through the whole series? Or do you, I was, when I, I think when I was kind of, sometimes I'll start when, like, I'm going to drive somewhere and then I'll, up off, I think you were talking at the beginning, but did you go all through the whole, like, all the Halloween movies, or? We spoke mainly about the first one, but, I mean, yeah. I won't lie, I definitely delved into all the new ones, and also we spoke a little bit about um, Season of the Witch. Oh, nice, yeah. I could have rewatched that one. I remember seeing it, I don't know, a few years ago, and just, I, I liked it, actually. I thought it was just a weird you know, detour, but I, I should go back. I've been kind of wanting to go back and rewatch. I've been kind of watching them here and there over the past couple of weeks. It, it just seems like they're on TV all the time. Well, but I watched Halloween H2O the other day, or parts of it the other day, and it was, it wasn't any better than I remembered it. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say that one is the last, I'm going to totally destroy you here. The last good one I saw <laughs> I don't like the new trilogy um, at all. Yeah, I've only seen the first one. I've been meaning to... I started the second one, and I just... I, I don't know. I, I get... I like horror. I'm not a huge horror buff, but I, I like... Um, like, extreme, violent, gore horror movies are not my favorite, and it seemed like Halloween Kills was going, like, 
kind of overkill in that direction. And they just kind of tuned out after a little while. But I haven't seen Halloween Ends yet. Mm. Halloween Ends is a bit better. I'd say the 2018 one was the only good one in this trilogy. But mm. what I liked about the original Halloween is John Carpenter, he actually didn't like the idea of showing gore. In fact, you'll see that there is minimal blood at all, really, in the movie. Yeah, I love the first one. That one's... It's always that way with those movies. Like, the first... And I don't blame him. I mean, he's, he's, you know, been making a fortune off that for years. But, yeah, it's usually just the first one that's... that's uh, I was just reading something with the guy who wrote um, First Blood, the first Rambo, mm-hmm. who wrote the novel. And it's sort of the same thing. I mean, I'm sure he's happy to get those Rambo checks, but really the, the first movie is like a great movie and then the rest of them just kind of spun off and, you know, in, in directions that weren't at all like, you know, like the first one. Mm-hmm. But Rambo, or the first Blood, I've never read the book, but First Blood is a really good movie. Yeah, that's pretty good. I haven't read the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, as I don't like know if you authors, have to put it too high up on the list. <laughs> we, we should definitely be those people who are like, you have to watch, I mean, read the book before you watch the movie. Yeah. I definitely usually, I try to do that, and it, sometimes it's really fun. Like, I just, I, I went to see the new, I was totally expecting to hate it because I love the movie, the, the Chevy Chase movie, but um, I went to see John, John Hamm confess Fletch. Mm-hmm. And um, liked it a lot more than I thought it would. But I read the book like a couple days before, and it definitely enhanced. I mean, the, the movie's exactly like the it stays really close to the book. But I was glad I read it before I, uh, you know, before I saw it. Not that it gave any deep insight into the movie or anything, but it was just fun to you know to see how it came to life. And it was actually so much better than I thought it was going to be. That's really cool. Yeah, because usually they try to, I don't know, John Hamm has kind of fallen off for me since Mad Men, I, but the, uh, I don't know, just the idea of a new Fletch sounded horrible, but uh, <laughs> I don't know, they pulled it off somehow. Did you grow up with the Fletch, like the original Fletch, or was that? I'm familiar with them, but not like I was diehard or anything. <laughs> yeah, I feel like of a certain age, like you kind of, it's a lot of people, or people I know, and, and my, even my, my brother, and people like, you know, you just, it's one of those movies you grow up kind of reciting, you know, every line of it. So it's almost impossible to, you know, to, to do it justice. But these guys were smart because they just did it totally, uh, totally, they just did something totally different with it. Okay, so I'm going to take a wild guess as to how old you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're gonna, hopefully you don't base it off that playlist that I sent. Cause that no, no, like not 75. the playlist. <laughs> just off this conversation alone. I'm going to say 40s. Yeah. Late 40s? Mid, right in the middle, 45. Okay, I was good. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It seemed like, like that was a little bit of a theme on a couple of the episodes. It seemed like you had had, because you're uh, in 30s or late 20s or? Yeah, I'm 32. Just turned 32. Oh, 32. <laughs> okay. So, but it seemed like there was kind of, at least in a couple that I heard, kind of a, a, did you say you had like older siblings or something? Or there was like a Gen X sort of connection? Yeah, all my siblings are Gen X except for my one brother who basically is a baby boomer at heart, but is a millennial. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So are you the youngest? Yeah, I'm the youngest. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I have the I'm the oldest of my I have two but then my I have a much younger, I have like a one who's twenty five years younger than me from a obviously from a second marriage, but Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a big gap. I would say though, my oldest sibling, um, she, you know, she'll kill me if she says, finds out how old I say she is, but she's older than you. (laughs) (laughs) She's at that point though where she's still trying to pretend she's 30. Right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I kind of gave up on that a little while ago. Yeah, I don't even try and like hide my age at all anymore. I feel like once you hit 30, you're either the person who's in extreme denial or you're like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I'd say it depends in what what way you do it, but I don't know. I've always been, I, I, I've been like an elderly man since I was a teenager, so. I, think I don't I think had the 40. Like my midlife crisis when I was 25 and I was like, whew. Good to have that over. <laughs> yeah, get that out of the way. Yeah. How did that manifest? 
you know, honestly, I just started to like freak out and be like, oh my God, I have nothing going for me. And never had a book published, which was actually a lie I did. <laughs> but it didn't feel yeah. like it. I didn't feel like I had any success. I didn't own a house. I still don't. Thank you, market. Well, Chicago, it's got to be a tough market to buy a house, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. We're one of the more expensive areas. I mean, I, I've, it's a millennial pastime where we like to drive around neighborhoods and be like, mm-hmm. that's a really nice house. And then we look it up and we're like, not in this century. I know, it's brutal. Even here, and I'm not even in a city, and it's, I just lucked out because I, I, rent, I rent a, um, rented a, a duplex for a long time and then my landlord was going to sell it and he let me make an offer before he did. So I was lucky I was able to just kind of buy it before it went. And it was before everything. It was before COVID and everything. And, and before everything went crazy. But, but otherwise, you know, because my girlfriend and her, her son live here now. And then the, um, so we live, uh, it's a little small. And so we're looking at like other pla- bigger places and it's just brutal. You're lucky you have the duplex situation, though. Like, I had a friend who had the exact same situation where they were renting, and then they were eventually able to buy. Yeah, I think they didn't. I'd been in here for a while, and I think the guy just wanted out. You know, he lived out of the area, and I just think he just kind of wanted to write the place off and, and get rid of it. And so he was happy to not have to go through the hole. And also, I think he would have had to do a bunch of, he was able to sell it to me kind of like as is, you know, like, because the first email was like, oh, we're going to have all these improvements done and we're going to, you know, and that's when I made the offer. But it also helps too because I have a guy who, a tenant next door who, uh, you know, pays a chunk of the, a chunk of the mortgage, which helps. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I think now that we've established your 45, I have no idea why <laughs> this is like a good jumping off point, but, um, how about we introduce who you are? <laughs> that would help, yeah. Well, I'm Joe O'Brien. Um, I wrote, actually, the, the novel's under J.D. O'Brien, but that's really just a, um, a writer name. I like get there were some Joe O'Briens, or there was a Joe O'Brien on Amazon, I guess. That, or that, I look, it seemed like there had been other, other Joe O'Briens with books out, so the J.D. thing kind of gave me a, something to hide behind a bit. But, um, yeah, and then so I had my first novel, Zigzag is coming out in um, February, and it's a um, crime novel, like a Western, I guess they call it kind of like a Western stoner noir mix. It's kind of a kind of a road trip crime novel. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're saying 25, you hadn't published, so I'm, I'm 45 and my first book is coming out, so I'm really behind on the on that scale there, but I'm really excited. I got it, the publisher's great, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited for it to come out. Oh, that definitely, I really, really liked it. I got some uh, Hunter S. Thompson vibes a little bit. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's one of, that must be from the old, like, one of those, I'm sure you have those people, too, that you read when you were young, um, like, younger, and, and um, it must just be in the, died in the wall or something, because I don't really, I haven't really read Hunter. Actually, that's not true. I read, I went to Las Vegas a couple years ago, and I, I kind of dipped into that book um, just to kind of refresh my memory a bit but yeah I really haven't read Hunter Thompson in a long time but Hmm. he was definitely one of those big ones for me when I was you know in high school and first kind of getting into books yeah I had definitely like the guys in my group of friends in high school and they were obsessed like every Halloween they would dress up Mm -hmm. as him right that's a good yeah good costume easy costume yeah (laughs) yeah you just need a cigarette holder and a you know, sunglasses and a visor, I guess. I feel like I've seen that for sure. And sadly, I've seen people who wear, who, who, not recently, but who've dressed like that not on Halloween, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's like definitely better than the people right now who are dressing like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. That, that's been kind of a, um, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I guess if people are upset about it, but the, I guess if I wouldn't maybe go trick-or-treating in Milwaukee with, with, like that, like if you're going to run into... But in general, he's kind of like a boogeyman at this point. And it, it, maybe, maybe um, I don't know if people would be that upset that, that, to see him. But I think it's... Um, I mean, both of those shows, it seems like... I, I haven't watched the documentary, but I watched um, the, sh- the series, the, the Ryan Murphy series they just did. 
and I think I read it was like one of the most popular things on on Netflix. But um, yeah, people just can't get enough Dahmer. Did you watch it? Yes, yes, I definitely did. I'm all about. <laughs> what did you think? I loved it. I love uh, Evan Peters, and I feel like he's been, you know, training his whole life to be Dahmer since he did American Horror Story for like ten years. Yeah, see, I was lucky that I was unaware of him. So to me, he I have to see him in something else because he, he was so great as Jeffrey Dahmer that's like that I almost um it's like when you think of um I don't know if you ever saw another dated reference, but the coal miner's daughter with um Loretta Lynn movie, but it, it, like I always think of Sissy Spacek as almost as Loretta Lynn. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I have to see uh I have to see some other Evan Peters work. But yeah, he was he was incredible. But it's funny, my girlfriend and I keep saying, because some of the just those stupid little things like how we just always wanted to have some brewskis, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and just him sitting around with his grandmother. Like, I, I kind of liked a lot Didn't of Didn't someone ask him what, like, brewskis, like, were at one point? <laughs> He's like, so. six-pack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on, you know, let's have some brewskis. See, I'm from the Midwest, episode. so. Oh, yeah. So yeah, you know what brewskis are, yeah. And I mean, I've heard them, but it's just, it was just funny to... You know, whenever he's in that, just some of the more uh, mundane details and that kind of cracked me up. Um, yeah, there's actually a really fun American Horror Story season called Hotel. And he actually is hosting a dinner for serial killers. And there is a character who's playing Jeffrey Dahmer. So it's pretty funny that like he's playing a character off, opposite of Jeffrey Dahmer and then eventually playing Jeffrey Dahmer. Playing him, yeah. Yeah, I should check out some of that. Is that the one that went into... Um, maybe I watched part of that. I remember there, there was one that, that was supposed to be about that, that hotel in Los Angeles, the Cecil Hotel. Mm-hmm. But maybe I, I didn't... There was, another, there was another one that had a few things made about it. So, But I've never actually gotten through an entire... Um, I've seen some of the other Brian Murphy stuff, but I've never watched the, the horror stories. Oh, yeah. That's what got me just, into him. Although I know a lot of people, and it's like, this is how you have to like flash back because I didn't watch it. He actually started with Glee. A lot of people forget that. I didn't. Yeah, I, I feel like I knew that, but yeah, I, I forgot it too because I, I always see. I don't know how he's one of those guys that's just so prolific. I don't know how because I just watched that other one that he did, the uh, The Watcher. We just watched that last weekend, and yeah, I just don't know how he keeps cranking him out. Well, that one is actually right now neck and neck with Dahmer, uh, with the most watched on Netflix. Really? Yeah. He's about to beat his own record. But no, yeah. he's just earning his money. He signed a $300 million contract with them, so <laughs> yeah, he has to crank It'll it out. It'll work. Yeah. <laughs> it's all pretty good, though. Like, there's something kind of like, you know, I don't know, that it's, it's, it's got that kind of soap opera, or not soap opera, but kind of like that tabloid or quality about it. But they're always fun to watch. I always, I've, I don't think I've seen a stinker from them yet, but I haven't seen all of them. I've only watched some of the, uh, like the OJ one and, uh, you know, those kind of, you know, there's, I've probably only seen less than half of the things he's made. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think I've seen most of what he's made, but like he has been fucking around in Hollywood for so long. I mean, I don't even know if I've seen half of what he's made. Yeah. Because I think he also did Six Feet Under or something. Like, see, he's oh, just he done everything. Too? Yeah. So, back to the book, Zigzag. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you one, why is it called Zigzag? And two, probably tell people what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> that would help, yeah. Well, um, well Zigzag was, was actually a late title for it. It, it. it had the really imaginative name for a long time. It's Harry. Uh, and for some reason, <laughs> I didn't think that was very... That's the main character's name. Um, and it just, just wasn't very compelling. But the um, Zigzag... It went through a few different things. And then, I mean, it's got... Obviously, the, the, the pot connection. Um, and then it kind of... The road trip is kind of a, you know, it's got a lot of sidetracks and a lot of, um, you know, as I, there was a section of the book called Zigzag in the middle originally, and um, it was kind of the more road trip section, and then the more we kind of talked about it, it just became, it made more sense as a, as a title. Um, but yeah, it's about a kind of a 
washed up uh, burnout bail bondsman um, in Van Nuys in the San Fernando Valley. Um, and he has to, uh, he gets kind of tasked with uh, chasing down these, this couple that knocks over a, um, a, a hot dispensary in the valley. And there's, uh, so he kind of uh, hits the road with, which actually that, now, that I, now that I'm saying it, I can see the Hunter Thompson thing because he does have his lawyer with him. He has this uh, alcoholic lawyer with him and they, they kind of have to track down this, this couple. Um, and they end up out in the, uh, out in the Mojave Desert. And so it's kind of, it goes from Joshua Tree up to, it, it, so it's really, they're just kinda, it's kind of a, you know, a chase uh, story. And then, uh, you know, it circles back to kind of a, the downbeat uh, ending. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I like the, uh, it was trying to, it was originally a screenplay. So I was trying, when I wrote that, I was trying to do like a 70s style, like Harry Dean Stanton movie kind of. And the screenplay was actually, people liked it and it, 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 it just kind of sat around. And, and then I, I, I still, I kept going back to it and liked it. And then I finally just, um, it's a lot different now as the book, but I, I, uh, I finally dove in and just kind of fleshed it out into a novel. Now I get why you have a Harry Dean Stanton song. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because he was really, that, that was, I mean, he, even then he was too old um, mm-hmm. to, to, to have been in the movie, even in my dream scenario. I think he was 85 or something when I started, right when I wrote that script. But, um, but he was definitely the, what I had and what I always have had in mind for the, when, I, when I thought about the main character, just kind of a... You know, the, the guy that Harry Dean would have played maybe when he was in his 60s or 70s. And I, I used to, when I lived in L.A., I used to hang around this bar called Dantana's because I heard that Harry Dean Stanton hung out there. Mm-hmm. And he did. So I got, not that we were drinking buddies or anything like that, but I did get to meet him a few times. And, and, um, and uh talk to him and everything like that but it, so I kind of I think that was sort of the thing when I started writing that script but obviously it never became a, a Harry Dean movie but you know this is as close as I could get to I it mean, but I think it has that sort of 70s um, it's fun because you can kind of yes. go off on stuff in, in scripts you can't really do that as much anymore like or like where you can kind of go off on these tangents and you know I think you can kind of digressions and things like that. I feel like you can kind of get away with it in a, in a novel a bit more. I think you could do it in a script, but then again, I suck at writing screenplays, so who am I to say? Yeah, I'm sure you can do it. I, I, it's just a matter of what, you know, people, I think if you're, you have to be a certain person to get something like that on now. With, you know, I think obviously like Quentin Tarantino and, and people like that can pull it off, but I think to sell a, a script like that is is hard today and and the shitty thing about a screenplay, an unproduced screenplay, is you can't really do anything with it. At least with a book, like I was totally prepared to self-publish it. If it's your, you know, at least you can print it out and hand it to your <laughs> your friends. You know, it's not like a complete. I, I have a few un, unproduced screenplays, and they just feel like completely, uh, you know, just what are you going to do with them? Mm-hmm. But they can be fun to write, and it's still always a fun, you know, roll the dice to try to to do something like that. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's definitely a great exercise. I mean, I, as I said, I suck at it, so. You suck at it, so you've you've tried to write scripts, or you've written Yes, I actually originally was planning to be a filmmaker, and then fell into this, so. Were they horror scripts, or? Actually, no, um, most of them were pretty trippy. I had a very big thing for David Lynch. I, I correct that. I have a very big thing <laughs> for David Lynch. Um, I was doing a short store, a short film shoot. Um, they have a twenty-four hour film contests, and in one of the contests, I actually met someone who was a writer slash meth addict who is in <laughs> this kind of lit world. And I was like, "Oh, what is this?" And you know, he introduced me to it before he totally fell off the map. But yeah. You spun out into the meth world full time, or one of those things where it's like, was he ever there? Was he an illusion? I don't <laughs> yeah, know. He could do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just so, thought he kept disappearing into my bathroom during the shoot, and he would just come out more and more fucked up. Every time. <laughs> yeah, 
That's a horrible drive. I, I used to live in Portland, Oregon, too, and I was a bartender at a, at a place where the clientele was a lot of meth uh, being used, and it's just just terrible, you know. Just it's just a horrible drug to be around. Yeah. It, what's worse is well, I could just go off on meth right now. I'll get off the meth <laughs> subject. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who designed your book cover? See, that's a great segue. <laughs> it is a good. Actually, that's yeah. It is great. My um, especially because it what, sort of has drugs too. Yeah, yeah, it's got the, um, it's based on, uh, um, do you, if, I don't know if you know who Graham Parsons is, the, oh, like yes. the country singer. Yeah, so it's based on kind of the nudie suit d- design um, that he had, and um, he, um, it's one of the great things about my publisher was they were very cool about um, letting me, uh, I think if they didn't like it, obviously, they would have put the kibosh on it, but they, they at least initially they were cool about letting me bring in kind of a, a designer that I know, a friend of mine, and um, and letting us kind of explore a few different ideas. So yeah, my friend Billy Simkis uh, designed that, and we went through a few different versions of it. One of them was really studded out with rhinestones, and <laughs> the, uh, the publisher didn't like. He just told us to dial back the rhinestones about eighty percent. But uh, but no, other than that, like he was really, you know, they were very very cool about. Uh, about it and I was nervous because we had a second one that was like more of a safety that looked like you know it was like a neon motel with a desert thing and it just it had more of what you would think of as a as a crime novel or as what kind of book it is but they were very cool I was just nervous that it wasn't immediately apparent when you saw it what kind of book it was but um you know I think the blurb on the, the we got a good blurb on the cover and I think you know you said the pot leaves and the title, I think, kind of gives you enough of a feel. And if, and, if, and if the people are familiar with what the nudie suit is, then they'll definitely uh, get it. I am curious how many people would actually be familiar with that. I'll do a poll on Twitter. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, because we talked about that a lot. Like, because you never know in your little bubble, obviously, everybody would be like, oh, what you? of course, you know what the nudie suit is. But yeah, then you ask the person on the street, and most likely they wouldn't. Um, no, although I guess in my research, because I was trying to, we, we thought we would have to, to prove our case a little more um, for it, and I, so we Googled around about it, and I guess I've been kind of unaware of it, I guess, but in recent years it's been sort of come back a bit with like modern, like I think, it could be wrong about the name now, I think like Post Malone wears one, and uh, Jenny Lewis wears them, and there's some other singer, there's some other kind of popular recent singer that... Uh, that's been doing the nudie suit thing. So it's not totally gone. And I guess there was some big piece in some magazine like two years ago about the nudie suit. So it's not totally off the, off the radar. I've also um, heard that and Graham Parsons kind of referenced in songs before too. So yeah, he's at that level now where he's like yeah. a yesterday thing. Yeah. 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 No, he's great. And he's he's, yeah. And he definitely is one of those people that has, you know, just because he died so young and, and didn't, you know, I think he uh, he's definitely got that legend around him. So what is it about him that you like? I just think he fit in. I mean, I love his music. Um, I've been a fan of his music, but I think he sort of was a good example of, like, the era of, like, with, at least related to that to the book. Uh, the, the main guy, Harry, was, like, it's reference. It, the, there's kind of some stuff in the book about how he used to be, like, in the early 70s. He was kind of a cosmic cowboy, uh, kind of a poor man's Graham Parsons type. Um, and, and I think it just, Graham Parsons probably represents that era of uh, what where, where Harry came from or what, what he was doing in L.A. in the 70s and stuff. Uh, you know, and it, it, probably the one who represents it the most. And just so, like I said, he's, he's got that legend around him. And you know, he died out in the in the motel room out in the desert. And he, um, you know, and just the kind of the iconic nudie suit. And, uh, and yeah, he kind of spread a lot. You know, he didn't. He wasn't around very long. But I mean, he did his own records. He did stuff with Emmylou Harris. He, he did stuff with the Birds and with uh, Rolling with Keith Richards and. Um, so yeah, he just he made a big uh, a big mark in a in a short period of time. And then there's always that that great story around his legend too, where his his I think he came from like a wealthy 
religious family. And when he died, he died at the Joshua Tree Motel. And I think his family was trying to bring him home to be buried in like a religious or, you know, traditional. And I think his friend, one of his friends hijacked the uh, coffin and burned it out and uh, burned his body out in the, in the desert. So that's another uh, part of the legend. But yeah, for the book, it was really just because it's, you know, the book takes place a lot out there. and It's kind of got that, you know, the whole cosmic cowboy thing. I would say it definitely radiates with that personality, definitely. Which the, the, the book does? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's great. I, I'm glad, like, it's, that was kind of a, you know, it, hoping it comes through for, you know, I mean, you, you know who he is, but I'm hoping it comes through for, you know, just the general reader who might not be that familiar with that kind of music and stuff. But I think that care, I, I've heard enough from people that I, you know, all kinds of people that seem to at least, you know, pick up on enough of it. Yeah. So I'm looking at your playlist. A lot of these artists, obviously, are artists of yesteryear. <laughs> Were you ever able to see any of them live, though? Yeah, um, I've actually kind of made it my, uh, it's a big mission of mine in life to, to see as many uh, of the country musicians as they, uh, you know, before they died. And uh, so I got to see, I'm trying to, I don't have the list in front of me, but just in general, like the, the country, I was able to see like George Jones and Johnny Cash and uh, Chris Christopherson and... Um, you know, a lot of the kind of uh, Waylon Jennings, who is who is on the who is on the list, I did not see, um, and actually Loretta Lynn and Conway Twitty are on the list who I did not see. So I, I think on the list, I have a low batting average of who I've seen. But in in, in classic country, I'm trying to pull it up here. Uh, classic country singers in general, I've been pretty lucky, uh, especially with the Johnny Cash and. and um, Johnny and June thing because that was it was I was pretty young so I was just kind of lucked out and saw them while they were still kind of in their in their touring mode but yeah looking down the list here I have seen none of these artists live I don't think <laughs> well Silver or, uh Purple Mountain Silver Jews I have but uh, so they're basically on your like if you build it they will come kind of yeah, because most of these people aren't even alive now that I'm looking at it. Yeah, that's why I was like, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen Charlie Rich, Lee Hazelwood, Jimmy Buffett's still with us. Uh, <laughs> he has a very interesting crowd, though. Yeah, like Buffett today is, I mean, I still kind of have a soft spot for, for the guy, but no, I mean, I haven't liked that. that that's kind of a reference in the book, too, like that one of the characters is like a Buffett guy but hasn't listened to a Buffett album post uh Florida Days, I think, was the, the the book, the one listed in the book. But the, the pirate um, looks at forty is obviously a, gla- a classic, and there's a character in the book who, who performs that karaoke. Um, but yeah, other than other than yeah, Purple Mountains is recent, and um, Orville Peck, I guess, is the only contemporary one who's still with us because even Purple Mountains is gone. But um, yeah, Orville Peck is. Do you know who he is, or have you listened to him at all? Yep. Yeah, he's kind of reminded me a bit of like that. That song had kind of like a cool, um, reminded me like of a desert driving in the desert at night kind of song, and uh, and he's definitely kind of a modern version of uh, like a rhinestone cowboy kind of you know like the the nudie suit type. He he, he does a, another kind of shtick, I think, but he's definitely got the same same kind of style. Have you ever done the like driving in the desert at night listening to kind of this kind of music? Oh yeah, yeah, that's like my favorite thing to do. Like in terms of a lot of times, I, I try to get out there. I live in Massachusetts now, um, but I lived in LA for four years or so. And um, but now I try to get out there. It's weird. I, a girlfriend and I were just talking about it because she came with me last time, and uh, it was her first time doing that. And I feel like now it's an every other year thing where you'll fly. I'll kind of try to fly out. Last time we flew into Las Vegas and we did kind of the loop through, you know, Joshua Tree and Palm Springs and the desert. And we came back and flew out of Vegas. But, um, yeah, it's with, driving in the desert is one of my favorite things. It was definitely something that, um, you know, that, that inspired this book for sure. 
but uh, have you ever done the, that sort of that road trip, the kind of Joshua Tree or any of the desert stuff? Yeah, I, I've definitely done the desert thing a few times. For me, it's a little anxiety-inducing, you know, because when you see like a gas station, and then it's like. 100 miles to the next one <laughs> and I'm just like do I have enough gas I'm not sure yeah I'm kind of anal about the gas thing I always I'm always make sure it's I'm like kind of like that with my phone too like my phone is always fully charged like I've got, <laughs> I don't know if I have this fear of, of running out but I especially in the desert though or any sort of road trip I'll, I'll even if I have half a tank sometimes I'll stop and just kind of top it off but the um yeah, that doesn't give me the anxiety as much as long as I'm in the car. I'm kind of a, my anxiety comes in where I, I don't delve too far into the desert itself, mm-hmm. you know, like on foot, because I, I don't, you know, scaling those boulders doesn't seem, doesn't appeal to me. And, um, and just the snake thing, I, the first time I went out there, I saw the, all you see are these signs, you know, for sidewinder snakes and those things, just the sight, the idea of this like sidewinder snake kind of, and it, they're, they're pretty open about it at least because the signs are like, Oh, and they'll hide in the brush and they'll leap out at you. And so even with like boots on and stuff, it wasn't worth it. It's more about like the, uh, you know, like kind of like what you said to having music on and, and driving. It's, you know, you almost feel like you're in a, in a movie or, or on another planet or something. Definitely. So would you listen to music like this while driving or? Yeah, yeah, playlists? that and like, um, I mean, this I, this playlist I kind of put together because it was kind of close to the book. You know, I listened to all kinds of um, music, but yeah, for the desert, honestly, some of the stuff um, was more like instrumental type stuff. Like, we, I remember last time we 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 listened to like um, what did we listen to? We listened to like, have you ever heard of like William Tyler mm-hmm. or like John Fahey, and just this kind of like more. Um, trying to think what else we played but yeah it was a lot of I guess it was sort of in this in this kind of uh general thing but a lot of for some reason it was a lot of instrumental stuff that we listened to on that last trip and then um but yeah then a lot of stuff like this I road I have a couple road trip uh playlists that are kind of you know where it's a mix of you know more kind of rock stuff and then these kind of country uh country rock and and things like that I would say I'm spying on you right now, and I'm going through your playlist on Spotify. <laughs> it's probably some because a lot of the playlists I think they count as like even if you like a playlist, a lot of these aren't. I'm going through it now too. A lot of these are I playlists see some that of I them are Spotify made, yeah. Spotify made, or they're like somebody else's that I clicked uh, clicked like on. But yeah, there's a lot of that stuff in there. I'm looking at the nothing too embarrassing here. I'm intrigued to see you have a Stranger Things one. Do is that in there? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I like that kind of similar to similar to Stranger. Yeah, that's not one that I made, but that's yeah. That one's great. It's got like a, eleven hours. It's like because that's sometimes that stuff is really great um, for writing music like that and like John Carpenter stuff and some um, you know because I can't listen to a lot or like just in any kind of ambient like uh, I like those Nick Cave uh, um, soundtrack or score things and so because I can't really listen to a lot of. Um, uh, lyrics or you know music with vocals when I uh, when I write sometimes I can if it's uh, you know just you know not but but in general it's, it's pretty uh, mostly instrumental so yeah I, I definitely went through a kick of listening to those uh, you know those horror synth or whatever you want to call it Stranger Things kind of things did you watch the new season no I've actually only seen the first season I, I have to get I'm so bad at like I, I'm horrible at um, keeping up with I fall off uh, these uh, shows all the time and I end up re-watching things I've already seen before um, and then totally it's missing story on, my on life. the new oh you're a big re yeah I'm a, I can't, re-reader too I, like I have a stack of books to get through you know and then I constantly you know just pull something else off the, you know pull something off the shelf that I've already read twice mm-hmm. but um i think it's good to do that though especially you know when you're for writing i think that you you learn you know you get you pick up a lot more when you reread your favorite books but and same thing with movies you know sometimes it's easy to just uh there's certain movies that just are great every time and also you and pick get, up on stuff that you didn't see the first time 
Yeah. Or you start living it. Like, I don't know, like a lot of those people, like I always like that. I think Tarantino calls them that. Those like hangout movies. And I think there's a lot of TV shows like that too, where sometimes you just want to put them on and, and just kind of have, sometimes it's, I'll just have them on in the background or just, you know, you just kind of want to spend a little time with them. But, um, and then I don't know, I, I, maybe it's just getting older or just being overwhelmed or there's so much stuff that it's, I can't count how many times like I've turned on a show and, and turned it off like an episode in or two, two episodes in, you know, and everybody always complains about that. We're like, Oh, you got to wait till episode five and then it gets good. And I just, I don't know. It's very rare that I have that kind of, if something doesn't grab me uh, right away, I'm probably not going to follow up on it. The worst one is when people are like, Oh, you have to wait till the second season. <laughs> yeah. Then it gets, I forgot. Somebody just said that to me about something. And I was like, I just don't have, you know, I don't have 14 hours to invest, to wait till it hopefully gets, uh, gets good I, I don't know but every once in a while somebody will tell me to stick with something and uh and i'll and i'll dig it I, actually it's the chicago thing i just watched the um the bear after 100 people told me to to watch it and uh did you see that i've heard of it yeah and it's you know I, it was good i'm glad i said and it's it was good because it's, it's quick too it's it's i think it's only like six or seven episodes and most of them are like a half an hour one of the episodes is like 15 minutes long or something but um, it's not a big investment of of, uh, of your time, and it was and it was good. You know, it kind of had a the performance was good. And although I don't know, being from Chicago, you might have a different. Sometimes when I see stuff that's set in places that I know really well, or or, uh, or where I've lived, it, it seems like they pick all the most obvious landmarks and stuff. So I, was I don't know. Going to ask, can you refresh my memory about what that's about? Oh yeah, it's 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 uh, the guy from Shameless, the guy who played Lip on Shameless, and he's like a chef. He was like a high-end chef in um, New York, I think, and he, his his brother passes away, and he moves back to um, take over his brother's. Uh, it's like a what are they beef? Is it, it in, in Chicago like a beef sandwich or or uh, we're big it's, into it's the Italian like, beef? Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those. It's like a little uh, Italian beef uh, kind of stand you know, restaurant. And so he's, it's kind of him, uh, picking up the pieces at the, at the beef stand there. And, uh, it, you know, people seem to really like it because it's, it's, and it is, I mean, I, I never work, I've worked in a lot of restaurants and, um, not really a kitchen person, but, um, been in a lot of kitchens and it does, it definitely feels like, uh, you know, captures that very well. Yeah. Now that I think about it, this is actually the last show somebody told me to watch. <laughs> That I did. That one? Yeah. yeah. I was having friends over for, uh, I had one friend over for a horror movie, a thon, and then like a couple others showed up and I was like, shit, okay, I guess more people are here. And one of the people that showed up was like, have you seen this TV series? And I was like, no. And they just kept talking to me about it. So I was like, the name was fresh in my mind, but that's why I need you to tell me the plot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, I wouldn't rush right out today and watch it, but it is, you know, it was, it was it was one of the few that I did get that somebody told me to watch and I actually did sit down and watch like all, all the episodes. Yeah. Like when my friend, I say in quotes, friend was telling me about it. I was just kind of half tuning him out when he was saying what it was about. And I was just like, all right, whatever. I'm watching prom night. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's super Chicago. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, shots of the city and music related to the, you know, it seems, um, as a Chicago person, it might, it might either interest you or annoy you. You know, it's so funny. As a Chicago person, I really don't like most Chicago things. Like, I hate the Blues Brothers. I <laughs> don't like a lot of John Hughes movies. Uh, I don't know, like, name a Chicago thing. I usually don't like it. <laughs> I think Ferris yeah. Bueller is a dick. <laughs> I like the Hughes movies. I mean, I grew up on those. I'm not a big, I always mostly think of like Chicago. uh, It's sort of like Boston. I'm not from Boston, but from Massachusetts. And there's something kind of annoying to me about Boston sports fans. And I feel like Chicago kind of has that same. It's like super, super, like people whose whole identity uh, is kind of centered around being a Cubs fan or or something. And there's a lot of that in Boston. uh, But I don't know. Chicago, I don't really, there's a lot of good music that came out of Chicago. Um, but yeah, I'm not not that steeped in the Chicago stuff. But but yeah, the John Hughes uh, movies I definitely liked from growing up. Not a, not a big Ferris Bueller guy though. You know what it is is that when I was in high school, I tried to pull a Ferris Bueller's 
day off, and I found out it is just logistically impossible. <laughs> I didn't try <laughs> and hijack the parade. <laughs> but it's one of those, like, if you're going downtown, but then you also want to go see a Cubs game, like, you will not have time to go there. It's pretty far oh, out. Oh, right, right, yeah. See, that's Yeah, that's thing. always the thing. That's always the thing in of LA disbelief. movies. Yeah, in LA movies, too, that's always something where you're like, you know, they're they're in the at the beach, and then they're, you know, it, it never makes any sense in terms of how people get get or possibly get around. I know it's like you're in the loop, and then what you took like a twenty thirty minute L ride to Wrigley, and you're in the game, and then you're gonna go right <laughs> yeah. back to the loop, and you still have time to get yeah. home. Yeah, while hijacking a parade. <laughs> so you're born and raised. Have you been lived there your whole life? Yep. Nice. It's probably why I get more annoyed with Chicago stuff because I know everybody has their weird, um, I don't know, Chicago stereotypes. Like, I've had a few friends in high school that weren't from Chicago who moved here and they were like obsessed with some of those Chicago tropes. And I was like, like, don't say it to anyone here. Mm-hmm. No one yeah. likes it. <laughs> like, we're all going to know immediately you're not from here. Like, if right. you say Chi Town, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, we, we don't call it that. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I've heard the really same thing like about Frisco. Duh, you know, like how they do with the super fans thing in mm-hmm. SNL. We don't yep. do that. No, <laughs> no, yeah. that's oh, the, it's yeah, a lie. Bears, yeah, yeah. The Milwaukee people do that. Maybe Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he wrote. I mean, like I said, I can't compare his performance to anything else that I've heard of him. But yeah, he seemed to re- that accent too was just perfect the way he, the way he did it. Oh, dude, definitely. Like, Evan Peters is a master of accents. I mean, he was just uh, on Mayor of Easttown, and he did a Yinzer accent. I was like, God damn, like, he could do it all. Oh, right. He was, so I have seen it. Yeah, I saw that. So, yeah, geez, yeah, it must have just, he was so, he just was dumber to me when I when I watched that. Yeah, I've seen him do, His like, glasses hide a lot. Alabama, and I don't know if that's how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him do, like, upstate New York. I've seen him do... All sorts, L.A., Mid-Atlantic, which is a bullshit accent. <laughs> <laughs> What's mid Is that um, like the Delaware kind of accent? Actually, it's a made-up accent for movie stars. And oh, okay. it was in like the early, like right when they started talkies, and his character is supposed to be like a dead guy from that era. Oh, okay. So kind of like rich, sophisticated people like oh, to talk Oh, yeah, way. yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, to show that they're better be than like us. Like a George Plimpton or something, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what is the most recent concert you've been to? Ooh, I know COVID recent. times has made it hard. Concert. Yeah, I just missed a concert. Um, actually, I'm going to see, I'm trying to, um, let me think of what I'm, uh, what I've seen recently, but I, just saw, or I'm going to see Kurt Vile on, on um, a week from today, which I'm very excited about. Um, I don't know if you're a fan of his at all, but he, he's coming. Um, I take him, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's great, and he's a lot of fun live. I've seen him a few times, and um, the, uh, in the, the, the double bonus that he's coming to New Haven, Connecticut, which has got, I don't know if you've been there, but it's got the best pizza in the uh, my favorite pizza in the world, and so it's. it's uh, I always try to. If, if someone's coming through, I always try to pick the New Haven show if I if I can. But um, but yeah, it's sort of my weird. Uh, Lauren, my girlfriend, and I were just joking because it's, it's sort of her redemption uh, trip this this time. Because the, when we first started dating, we went to a Kurt Vile show, and um, I, back then I, w- I was doing. Uh, I was. <laughs> I mean, I still occasionally will we'll dip into it, but I was trying to do the whole microdosing uh, thing. Mm-hmm. If you ever tried that. And I think we just did a little, because normally if you do a microdose, it's just you barely, you're not supposed to um, really feel any effects. But whatever we did, we had kind of, I think you're not supposed to combine it with drinking and smoking weed. and Probably not. It, yeah. And it turned out to be just a complete, uh, which normally it wouldn't matter. I think she was embarrassed because it was like early in the relationship and she... Uh, <laughs> You know, she she got really because she was just swaying. I remember we were standing watching Kurt Vile, and she was just kind of swaying. And I was like, "You all right?" And she was like, "No." And we just <laughs> she turned around and she vomited all over my sweatshirt. And I remember going up to the coach, the coat check uh, person, to get our coat <laughs> just covered. And she, and uh, 
and I just felt terrible because she was just apologizing and it was, you know, because you never know how mushrooms and stuff are going to hit you. Uh, and so this, we've just been joking that this is kind of the, no, no mushrooms, no anything. This is just kind of the, we're going to stay for the whole show and there's not going to be any, uh, any incidents, but yeah, he, I've seen him a few times. He's always really, uh, really great. I'm see, excited to see him. I was going to ask you what your weirdest concert story was, but you gave it to me right <laughs> that's, there. Yeah, that's yeah. The detail she hates is that because it's funny. I feel like I, I just assume it. I, I, now I'm saying it in the podcast, but we, we've said it. You know, we've told the story enough now. But I told the story in a group of her friends, uh, just assuming that they had heard it, and uh, she apparently hadn't shared that with any of them. But the detail that uh, that sticks out the most is. That they had, I think it's probably protocol, uh, like a hospital or something. But they had to push her out of the venue in a wheelchair. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because she was. I think it's a matter of they don't want you to trip and fall and hurt yourself on their on their grounds, and so they must have just like a house wheelchair that they they, they wheel you out in. And uh, and luckily we had been we had stayed nice overnight. Venue. Yeah, it was a house of blues and uh, your your favorite blues brothers in uh, in Boston. And well, luckily we had been to a house of blues concert once. Yeah, they're they're you know it's a decent place. We've seen a bunch of shows at that one, and uh, but uh, luckily we had Katy Perry before she was Katy Perry. Oh wow, I was going to say she wouldn't be at a house of uh, house of blues today. Yeah. Where did you, you, so what was so what's her bad? Was she she was like kind of a was she like a, I don't know anything about. I mean, know who she is obviously, but I don't know how she came up. She kind of was more like a good girl as they all start. <laughs> but was she like a teen? Yeah. Singer or was she, oh, okay. she was a teen singer and yeah, you know, I, I don't want to say it was kind of like Christian kind of music, but like mm-hmm. it was pretty tame and she was actually uh, Kate Hudson was what she was called. That's her actual name. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I saw her then just because friends were like, oh, she's getting really big because she was slowly getting into pop music. Yeah. So... Yeah, saw her before she was big. I'd like to say that I've seen other like amazing acts before they were big, but not really. Maybe Cage <laughs> the Elephant, I guess. But they yeah. already like had the Thank You Happy Birthday album out. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if I have any of those stories. Really, I have like I've definitely seen a few. I saw when I was a kid. I saw we went to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers in like 1990. One maybe I don't know, but it, but the opening acts were Pearl Jam and um, Smashing Pumpkins, which either I don't think had album or weren't very well known at the time. But that was, I don't really think of that in the same way because, like you said, yours was at a small. This was still at a big venue, but it just but we just those bands weren't known yet. Uh, I mean, Chili Peppers were, but they, those two. But the best one is probably I saw the I went one year I got, I went to um, South by Southwest in two thousand. Four, and I saw the um, the hold steady in like a tiny little venue with like uh, there was nobody at that thing, and, and it's, I didn't even know why we went. I think we had heard uh, somebody in our group had heard that they were was from New York and heard they were really good, and, and so that was cool because they immediately exploded like right after like I think their album came out maybe two months after that or something, and they immediately got big. But it was kind of cool to see them with twenty five people or something in a small place. Mm-hmm. So, do you have any future projects that you're planning? Yeah, I'm actually writing. I was doing, uh, after I finished the zigzag book, I, I went on to something else, like two other things. I was kind of, you know, I was kind of happy to take a break from those characters. And, um, and I started a couple of things, which I'm still, I haven't abandoned. I'm still kind of, they're just kind of backburnered a little bit because um, neither of them, I don't know, they just didn't catch fire. They didn't... Uh, they kept stalling out a bit. And then when I went, had to dive back into the zigzag to do, um, do all the edits and stuff like that. Um, I kind of got re, uh, you know, kind of re excited again about like the, uh, those, those characters. And so, and I had another idea anyway. So I, I, for right now I've been working on a follow up to it, um, like a sequel. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm supposed to send my, I mean, the book's still in the process. We literally just sent it to the printer um, this week for the final prints, so they're not, you know, ready to dive into another manuscript of mine immediately. But I think 
I'm supposed to send my, uh, you know, when I get like maybe the first good 50 to 100 pages or something, I'll send it to send it to them and see what they think. But yeah, it's been kind of fun because like I said, I got sick of them and I definitely kind of feel like, not sick of them, but you know, you get burned out hanging around with these same people every day. And so it's cool to, it's fun to be able to, to go back and, it, and it's a little less, um, I like series books kind of, I like crime novels and stuff and I, it's, um, you know, it's kind of fun to be able to go in and, and you have to do a little bit of, in case somebody hasn't read the first one, you know, to uh, a little bit of recap, but it's, it's fun to kind of go in and just go more into the story without having to build up who everybody is and or at least who the main characters are and you kind of already have that set a little bit. Do you ever read series, or do you read much crime fiction or, or anything like that? Not really, sadly. No? Yeah, it's weird. I, I never, I, I always did, and then in, in recent, um, not recent, even really the last 10 years or so, I feel like I've, I've actually got to sway away from it a little more, because I feel like I've gone so far in that direction in terms of my reading. But, yeah, I think I just got to a point where I started just reading and writing things I think it, it took me a long time to actually just be like oh to realize what kind of you're just better you know not lowering my but I don't know just realizing like the kind of stuff I actually enjoyed reading and enjoyed writing rather than trying to suffer through a lot of you know like this this other sort of stuff mm-hmm. so uh but yeah I think for me the crime stuff is uh, is a great balance because it's actually I really enjoy reading it and and it's it's a lot of fun but it also there's a lot of great uh a lot of great writing there too so do you want to read anything from zigzag or now uh i'd rather not. I'm, I'm a terrible oh, no, I, I, totally it's one of these things that i'm like i'm dreading it's 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 uh i know i i'm luckily my the publisher has been so nice about like they, they don't make me go on social media or do anything really embarrassing but um you know, and they haven't pressured me in that way at all. But I, I, I know I'm going to have to go out there at some point and do some readings. And, and, and yeah, I'm like really. Uh, I used to do a comedy zine called Flop Sweat, and that's kind of why. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just have immense like anxiety about. It. I hate. I've only read. Tw- I've done two readings in my life, and uh, neither neither of them went well. That is the story of my life. Yeah. So you've are you is you've done? Uh, we've probably done a lot I more than two. I hate doing but. readings. <laughs> yeah. I've attempted and no. You just get nervous, or do you not have? I have the thing where I actually get like a little nauseous and nervous. Yeah. I remember one time in Denver, I was going to do a reading, and like I just left the room <laughs> before they called my name, and I just hung out in yeah. the stairwell. And the person who was hosting the reading kind of came out and were like, are you going to come? And I was just like, nope. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. I, 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 that could happen to me. I wish that I, because it just ruins your whole, for me, it would ruin the whole, it, the last time I did it ruined the whole week leading up to it. I was dreading it. And the one, the last time I did was actually, there were a lot of people there who were not, not for me. They were for somebody who was reading after me. But, um, you know, I thought I had done okay, but I guess I was shaking. My hands were shaking a lot. Oh, that's amazing. And, uh, yeah. And so, but then I got, I got a couple of laughs or whatever that I read. So I, I came off feeling okay. Or maybe I was just relieved that it was over. And then one of my friends who was there was like, man, you look nervous as hell. You know, <laughs> he was just, he was like, Jesus, he's like, I thought you were going to like drop your paper. You were shaking. And it just destroyed whatever good, goodwill I had. But Apparently, I don't know. And it's weird because I'm okay. not as like nervous as I look like I'm, more nervous than I look. I don't look as nervous as I feel. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, I, I thought that that's what the case was for me in that, but apparently it wasn't. But the, but the other thing for me is, uh, as an audience member, I don't enjoy it. Like, uh, 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 I, I, that's not true. There's a, there's a handful of readers I've gone to see where I'm like, wow, this is, that was really great. But um, in general, like, that's kind of the worst part of, of that event, you know? Like, it's kind of nice to go meet other writers and to kind of have a drink and get together with people. But the reading as- the reading part is usually the worst part. And uh, so, yeah, even as an audience member, I usually don't enjoy the, uh, the reading. Okay, so before we go, would you like to plug anything? Um, no, just the book. You know, it's, like I said, Zigzag, it comes out in February on Schaffner Press. And... Um, Hopefully, um, like I said, they're they're pretty. Uh, I 
think they're kind of like uh, mid-level type uh, in terms of, you know, they're in indie, but it sounds like they're going to have pretty good distribution in bookstores and libraries and stuff. So I'm sure most people still order online, but um, I'm hoping I can see it. It'd be fun to see it in, uh, in a bookstore somewhere on a table or, you know, it'd be great. But yeah, that's pretty much it for now until I finish that sequel. Oh, very exciting. All right. Well, it's been really great having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, that was J.D. O'Brien. Don't sleep on grabbing a copy of ZigZag. You won't regret it. As always, if you want to get to know us more, find Textual Healing on Twitter at PodHealing and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. If you would like to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Check out past episodes and keep a lookout for the new ones to come every other Saturday. This is Miller Smart. Thanks for listening to the show.